Hello and welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm James Carey. And I'm Dave Cohen. He certainly is, and it's a good night from him. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I don't know why I feel like saying that. Um, here we are again talking about sitcom writing. We're really going to get into the bones of sitcom writing uh, today, aren't we, Dave? We, uh, we, we've both been up to bits and pieces and reflecting on things. Um, and then uh, we're going to talk about uh, a bit about networking as well at the end because there's still a lot of imponderables about the future. But uh, what have you been thinking about writing recently? You've been thinking about big entrances, Dave. Yeah, uh, I, I've been um, doing a lot of, um, I, I've been teaching quite a lot about sort of writing. And uh, well, interestingly, not just uh, comedy, but uh, drama as well. I, 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 I didn't know um, when I started, I did start, start doing this sort of creative writing teaching course and uh, it's comedy and drama. I thought, oh, bloody hell, I'm going to have to learn a lot about drama. And actually... It's a, the, 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 the amount of stuff that's the same for comedy and drama is, you know, far more, far, far more than, than, mm. than the differences, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but the thing that I, I, I've been watching a lot of uh, shows, comedies and dramas, and to, to, just to sort of get ideas for things. And one of the things that really kind of has struck me is uh, where you see, a, like, a, 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 a writer has really, really thought about the entrance, the first time you meet the character. And we have talked about this uh, before, but I thought I'd mention it now because uh, Sherlock, the uh, Stephen Moffat, uh, Mark, uh, Mark Gattis um, version, the most recent version, um, is back on iPlayer. Um, and I really recommend you watch the first 10 minutes of that because it it's just an absolute masterclass in how to, not only how to introduce characters, but how to introduce the first time they meet. Mm. And um, the great thing about Sherlock, uh, about Sherlock Holmes, uh, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, the biggest name in acting as yeah. Sherlock Holmes. Although he uh, wasn't at the time. Yeah, yeah. But it o opens, the opening minute is all about Watson. Uh, and, it's, uh, it, and it's fantastic. This was really, it's like, you know, he's... It sort of starts with this kind of hazy footage uh, on someone's camera in, in uh, a war situation and you hear guns and camera goes all wobbly and you see the next thing you see is he, he wakes up, you know, it's, it's a nightmare and it's obviously he was in Afghanistan or whatever and uh, he, he ha had some, you know, he's got PTSD of some description and then he, he sort of wakes up and he looks over and you know, no, no words have been spoken yet and he just looks over and you see this kind of walking stick uh, against the desk and you see him sort of looking resentfully at it and then, and then you see him, he's, he's, he's trying to write a blog about his experiences and it opens a computer and it's, you know, Dr. Watson's blog, blank page. Um, and you know, so the, the whole sto his whole story has been told there mm. without uh, without any words, um, and that actual silence. And then you know, he talks to a therapist who says, you know, you really should do this blog, and and he says, well, thing is that nothing's ever happened to me, <laughs> which <laughs> we know is just. Either he's, you know, he's lying to himself or he's just totally in denial, you know, mm. and and that's it. That's the opening of the show. Mm. 
and then and then you have like about five minutes of as with every Sherlock story, you know the the uh, the, the story, the detective story. And so we don't. We're about seven or eight minutes in, and we still haven't seen Sherlock yet. Mm. Um, and there's Watson is just kind of he's hanging out with a friend, and the friend says to him, he says the, the friend saying, "Look, you need to kind of you need a bit of company. You know, you're just in your own thoughts too much." And, and he says, "You know, I can't. Who could I possibly? You know, I'm not a very. I'm. I'm I, I, I. The guy says, get a flat with someone or something.' He says, well, 'Well, I'm not a very good person to live with.' And the guy mm. says, "Oh, funny enough, you're the second person that said that to me today.' And he goes, oh, 'Oh, who was the first person? Mm. <laughs> yeah, keep up.' And then, and then, finally, we are introduced to Sherlock, and it's just the contrast between." The meeting of Watson and the meeting of Sherlock is just fantastic. It's like he's in a mortuary, and he's he's really excited. You know, he, it's, it's a, um, someone's died, and he's getting all the lurid descriptions of it. And you think about Watson and how he feels about death. You know, he's traumatized by it, and Sherlock is all excited, and he gets his bribing crop out, and he bashes. I need to see the bruising on the dead bodies, and you know, it's just sort of absolutely ridiculous whole mm. business um, and it's just complete contrast to Watson and then almost immediately the two of them meet they're, they're sort of brought together and Holmes just knows everything about Watson mm. <laughs> even though they've never met and uh, and it's almost like a parody of oh Sherlock Holmes knows everything about uh, everyone mm. um, and uh, you know it's just you just think that that is just a perfect perfect introduction to two yeah. characters there maybe i'll go back and watch that again i did absolutely love the first few series of that i mean i enjoyed all of them mm. um and if for folks who are interested in in more we have two episodes with stephen moffat uh, back in episodes 90 and 91 i think don't yeah, worry, yeah. we we talk about chalk eventually. Uh, we get there in the second of the two episodes because that's what we that's what we wanted to talk about really. Uh, what about that sitcom that lots of people didn't like? Um, you know, success is all very well, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, no. And he was very very good humoured uh, about it. And he, there's a lovely story about Steve Coogan uh, in there as well. And I'm not going to say any more than that. If you've not heard it, I really would go back. Yeah, and listen I to think those are really great. He's such a great uh, person to have had on the show. And Absolutely, just, yeah. Because he's a sitcom guy. Yeah, uh, you heart, think about how brilliant and how successful he's been, and how yet how genuinely modest yeah. he is about his his yeah. own limitations absolutely so started out with press gang and you know all that kind of stuff so he he's learned his craft and it's it, it, all systems are firing on full capacity at the beginning of sherlock he's got an actor who is completely on the rise um as as a bit of a um hero in uh, benedict cumberbatch someone who's already fairly established in martin freeman for a particular kind of uh, performance as well which he is just mm. he is amazing um in it's 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 a really hard part Hmm. but i think you've made the point there really well and i would just want to sort of spell it out a bit more is just how important it is to set up your show in those first couple of pages if i mean if you were going for a job interview for your total dream job that would potentially be a five-year job for actually quite a lot of money as well you would think long and hard about the first impression that you make in yeah, that yeah. interview, wouldn't you? Mm. 
that is what your sitcom script is. It is potentially five years of extremely well-paid work doing your dream job, writing more episodes of this show um, or another show. So you really, really need to think about the first impression, not only that the characters are making, but that you are making as a writer. But whatever you do, just make sure that you're selling the show, the characters, that you're making use of the blank page to and fill it with a surprise but a surprise for the reader, but that is absolutely bang in the centre of where your characters are. So yes. for goodness sake, have them do the thing that they're doing, that they're meant to be doing. So the first time you see Sherlock, he's in a mortuary um, mm. examining a dead body and being brilliant. Mm. Um, we don't, I mean, obviously Sherlock Holmes is an odd case because people already know who he is and the setup. But everyone's still looking for clues as to what kind of Sherlock Holmes is this going to be? Is this a Basil Rathbone Sherlock Holmes? Or is this, you know, some complete reinterpretation? Well, it's, a, it's a Stephen Moffat Sherlock Holmes. Exactly. It? So yeah. it's like, in a way, the rules are just the same. You know, you're yeah. just working with slightly different parameters. Another uh, example of that is just, so I mentioned in the last podcast, I started watching yeah. Trying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm assuming I'm going to watch the rest of the series. And I watched and it was great, but I haven't at the time of the recording. What's the first thing they do in trying? Um, a young couple, they're not that young anymore. They immediately say that they were the oldest person at that party. They're at the age where their friends have started to have kids. What are they doing? She realises she's ovulating. She ovulated yesterday. They actually have sex on a bus, on the, up, on the top tier of a London bus, because they really, really, really want to have a baby. Bang. That is the show. Um, mm. And, you know, they didn't start it at the party when they were kind of too old and out of their depth or, you know, that everything had moved on or that kind of stuff. They had sex on a bus, on a London bus. And there was a lady who was conveniently asleep, although, you know, there's a little nice little twist there. Um, And so, you know, you really want to start your show with a bit of a bang to show not just a surprising opening, but a surprising opening that is it's this kind of show. Yeah. Because your reader and your viewer are just looking for clues. Um, so it's not a, mur- it's not a murder mystery. Uh, so I've got a blog post and a YouTube video about this on the situation room, my YouTube channel where people sometimes are used to watching movies or, you know, or inspector Morse or endeavor where you see five different snapshots of five different characters doing five different things that don't make any sense and won't make sense for at least an hour. Don't do that. Do not do that if you want your script to be funny. You're writing a comedy, a sitcom, not a murder mystery. And the rules for murder mysteries are quite different, especially Mm. if you've got an already established detective like Inspector Morse or or whatever. You know, this this is the first impression of your show. You need to show what the show is. And ideally, your first scene is that kind of real microcosm. It is the acorn from which the mighty oak tree of your sitcom is going to grow. How about that, Dave? That's fantastic. And that actually perfectly (laughs) describes another show that I've been watching with with my students, which is uh, by our friend Neil Forsyth, uh, Guilt. I don't know if you've seen Guilt. Oh, I haven't seen Guilt. Now that rings a bell. Tell me about it. If you do nothing else today, uh, watch the first one minute and 50 seconds of it. uh, And that's all you need. (laughs) Um, You get 
so much in that opening and uh, then something happens and that's the thing that the whole thing is about. Oh, great. Is uh, that on iPlayer? But, sorry? Is it on iPlayer? It is on iPlayer, yes, it is. Great. Yeah. Well, well, just what's the overall premise without giving away spoilers? Uh... <sighs> Just well, watch I it because it's just uh, the, the thing that happens in the opening okay. uh, couple of minutes uh, is you know something that are uh, uh, you know it, it, guilt guilt is the title and okay a thing happens and uh, well they're, they're in a car that's all I'll tell you so okay. that sort of probably gives most of it away oh no uh, no no idea. Uh, uh, yeah, so just that, uh, but the, char- the, the, the characters that we meet in that minute are so so perfectly described, uh, and 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 they are they are the characters who drive the whole show, and you know this the the, the inciting incident happens so so quickly, um, and it's just a sort of it is it's another masterclass in uh, what's your show really about? Yeah. You know, uh, 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 and that, that was a thing that actually, and I didn't really see it again until I watched the second time with Sherlock, the, uh, the, the, the idea that, you know, Watson is traumatized by death and Holmes is excited by it. Yeah. And, you know, so that, that is also, that's very much a very sort of strong and Holmes is actually trying to help Watson. Yeah. Uh, but as it happens, he's helping him because he, the thing that he loves is the thing that Watson hates. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's of... a really good, I mean, that, what that makes me think of is, you know, there's always this great debate about pilots and set up episodes and all that kind of stuff. And I reckon the the mood of the moment, I would say, and it will change in two or three years again, I'm sure, but. And there's lots of stuff about comedy drama and continuing narratives and story arcs and all that kind of stuff. In the past, you might have a set-up episode, and the whole episode is set up like it is with To the Manor Born, where Audrey Forbes Hamilton has to move out of the big house and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And in those days, there were only three channels, and everyone watched what the BBC decided they would watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had Penelope Keith in it, so what, what the heck's the matter with you? Of course you're going to watch it. And Peter... Uh, and um, Peter Bowles. Uh, Peter Bowles. It was just like, what's, what's not to like? So um, that's all fine. There's this, there's this other school of thought where you go, you just go straight in, there's no setup episode and that's fine too. One example I've traditionally used is My Name is Earl, which sets up the whole show in about seven minutes. And then the remaining 14, 15 minutes is a sort of a mini episode uh, where he starts to make up for all the bad things he's done on his list because he now believes in karma. Mm. I, th- and, I think they set it up in the first 30 seconds more no, or less. No, not not well no they don't um as in he starts this little mini quest in around about minute 70 minute um seven because yeah, uh, i've i've timed it and then but what you've set up here and what we're talking about here is there's a case to say what's the setup you got 90 seconds you've got a pre-title sequence because you talked about that inciting incident there, which is normally movie language, really, to some extent. Yeah. But what's the, if your sitcom has an inciting incident, how can you tell it in 90 seconds, in two and a half pages tops before the opening titles, hmm. you know, that just gets us off to a start with a bang? I'm just thinking the other show, I watched the first sort of 10 minutes of Back to Life uh, with Daisy Haggard's character is coming out of prison it would have been really easy to have started the episode inside the prison and mm. been there for a whole episode before she comes out. 
and be introduced to a myriad of characters that we are never going to see again. Um, the show starts, she gets out of prison, it's a new life, and we're thinking, there's a bit of mystery to it, which is, what has she done? And then there are some clues quite early on, which is, oh, she's done something really bad. <laughs> she's going back to her room that she last was in as a teenager, and now she's in her mm, early 30s. Yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah, yeah what, 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 how's that for a thesis, Dave? So, uh, well, I think that's uh, that. That's a great. Uh, that actually leads to another point uh, that I, I've been thinking about with with regard to, to sitcom, um, which is, and it's something that I've been thinking about with my own uh, shows now because I've got an idea for a show, and I've sort of got it's a, like a patchwork of ideas. It isn't yet kind of solid, but uh, I again watching lots and lots of things, and I was sort of thinking. If you have this sort of big life-changing moment in your opening minute, what that allows you to do is you could, your your sitcom character, uh, you know, and we always want our sitcom characters to make mistakes because they, they never learn from their mistakes. Mm. But actually, if you suddenly put them into a kind of a completely new situation, like out of prison after, after 20 years for doing God knows what, but it's pretty horrible whatever that character does is going to be a mistake, you know, because yeah. they just don't know it's, it's going to be new. And it, as for you as a writer, that's like, that gives you a, a, a sort of a, a starting point where you can actually go, you can actually, it, it's like you can sort of mold the character to be as much as you want it to be, or take it as with, without necessarily having a character right this is a character who's trapped in this world mm. because they have this characteristic that that doesn't allow them to uh develop in a mm. certain way and and you know you're kind of you are slightly straight jacketed by by your character yeah. but if you if a big thing happens to them and now oh my yeah. life has changed i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to be yeah well they're I'm, gonna be a fish out of water um yeah. And therefore, they're going to have to learn how to breathe without water. And that's, yeah. that, they're never quite going to get used to that. Yeah. Um, just as you were talking, that just reminded me of, um, if you follow Milton Jones on uh, Twitter, he is the Milton Jones. Uh, he tweeted a joke the other day where he just says, ha, huh, I've just realized what an epiphany is, <laughs> which I thought was great. Um, <laughs> but if your character has an epiphany in the first 90 seconds, and suddenly nothing's ever going to be the same again. If they come back to their house and they realize that their partner has been this whole time doing X, that's an epiphany, you know, and the new world that they're walking into is now not the world that they, that they've just walked out of. It's different. Um, it that's different, exciting. It, we might be onto something here, Dave. This is good. Yeah. But it could still be a sitcom because yeah. everything that they do is going to be wrong all the time, you know? Yeah. But it's still so. It's still them, them not learning every week from the mistakes. But uh, and, and this is you know it's sort of also trying to kind of solve the uh, narrative arc versus being stuck in the same situation mm. uh, uh, conundrum that is a problem now that we're being asked to write you know big long stories as well mm. as uh, circular self-contained stories. It is a sort of Okay, well, uh, this this new thing, I, I've, I've, I'm I'm still being me trying this, and it's not working. Oh, it didn't work, but some there's going to be a new aspect of it. But I'm still going to be 
doing the same thing. I'm still going to be Phil Dunphy mm. trying the same thing every week, even though I know, oh, it didn't work that this week either, and I'm sorry, and I'll never do that again. And then you've forgotten about it. Yeah, so well, it's yeah, or kind of, the next time it's like, I know I did that, but this time it's different. Yeah, you know, in a way, yeah. isn't it? It's not just the fact that we've the ep- the the character forgets. There is an element of over forgetfulness in sitcoms, I think, which is a bit of a uh, format. But having said that, as I've said many times, this is true to life. People don't change, and they do think this time it will be different. You know, they really don't learn. Um, and you know, you know this from your own relationships, your own experience, your own relatives, you have the same conversations with them again and again. And you're like, how, you know, and you discover that your sister or your brother or your cousin is about to do X. And you're thinking, I have no idea why they're doing that. It is so obviously a bad idea. And it's so obviously the 15th time they've tried to do X and this is their new way of doing it. And this time, no, 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 I know, but this time I figured it out. It's different. That's life, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I promise I won't take the ball away, uh, Charlie yeah. Brown. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, this time it's different. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, I think those, I mean, how do, how do we get here? I mean, back from the beginning of Sherlock, it's just setting out your stall and, mm. you know, introducing, it's introducing the reader to your world and it's almost introducing a character to their world if, if that is the kind of show that you're doing. And those are the ones that people seem to be liking at the moment. There's like Kimmy Schmidt is someone who's just walked out of a cult yeah. and is now kind of, you know, people seem to like that kind of a show. Um, and that might be one way of, of thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So uh, that was kind of, uh, th- those were sort of the, th- the things. I, I, just one other thing, actually, I, I've been thinking about, which is this, uh, this, uh, what, what, what's, keeps you engaged with a story and that's a sort of you know what's it the, the the question we always ask you know what's what's your show about but what's it really about and i think i'm, I'm and again one of the things that i find that where i'm watching a show and i'm still interested in a show and I'm, and I'm invested in the characters it's like the characters doing things and i and the the, the script is kind of saying to you the audience okay what would you do in this situation? And it's making you kind of go, oh, would I do that? And you really, you know, you, you just, it just brings you in. And that's, I've been kind of looking for that when I read scripts now. I'm looking for a kind of way of like, how is this script making me go, oh, I'm putting myself in their shoes. Is that something that uh, makes sense? Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's always trying to see things from, you know, your character's perspective. Um, yeah, what would I do in that situation? I think is good because in a way you sort of need a reason for everyone to do anything. And occasionally you do get you when you're reading lines, you're just thinking, no one would do that. I don't believe this character would certainly not do that. Yeah. Um, or, so, or I'm not really that interested. You know. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. you're, you've got to get to this place or something yeah there's occasionally you know, into trouble or something you know yeah occasionally it feels like you know a somebody driving along suddenly takes a left turn because they need to for the plot and the reason for them suddenly taking that left turn is not really ever fully explained hmm. um so yeah you, you you really do need to give your character a good reason for every single choice and action uh that they make and and i think and again again 
if you're watching an awful lot of a different genre, you sometimes forget just the critical nature of your character making choices. Um, and I was uh, talking to someone the other day about uh, there's this Netflix show called Dark, uh, which is a, it's the least funny show you'll ever see. It's a German show about time travel with an element of religion to it as well. Um, so it's, 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 you know, it's German Lutheranism with time travel, the sitcom, uh, sort of, but, um, it is really interesting. I watched the whole first series. I, I found it interesting. Um, the, the reason I found it frustrating at one sense, and I, I only realized subsequently is you spend most of the first series thinking, what is happening? What is happening? How is this? Okay. So there's like a time portal. Okay. So who is that person? Oh, is that person, that person in the future? Who is that? And you realize that the whole story, you are having information revealed to you, but very rarely are you seeing a character actually make a choice and actually go, if I go down that time tunnel, then nothing's ever going to be the same again, but I have to because of X, Y, and Z. There's very little of that. When it does do that, it's, it's, it it is really good, Hmm. but sometimes it feels like, we've got a really hot story in our head and then we've tried to sort of mystify it slightly and then reveal the information to the audience. But actually we're just revealing, you know, that storytelling, that's not actually a sitcom. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so therefore if we watch an awful lot of that kind of stuff, that's sort of mystery being revealed, you're not actually having a character make choices. And I've sort of realized that I'm writing a comedy drama mystery at the moment. Yeah. And although the mystery kind of makes sense and i'll come on to it uh, in a little bit um in a mo but i sort of realized i really need a key moment for my main two character detectives to actually have to make a decision for themselves are they going to go down this road and then it gets worse and worse for them until the point where if they don't solve this mystery they are in an absolute world of trouble so the stakes get higher and as their curiosity leads them further the, the need to solve this becomes all the greater. Um, and it's not a murder. So whenever you've got a murder, we have to find the killer before he kills again. Yeah, all right. I mean, that, that'll do. Um, and people buy that in the genre. But because my stuff is sort of, I want it to be sort of more of a comedy drama than a, than a mystery whodunit. Right. You, you've got to have your characters making choices. Yeah. Um, so that is really, really key. And it takes ages to make sure that every single choice throughout the script is motivated that's yeah. probably not where we started on that dave i'm sorry but that's been on my mind recently no, no because that's you know it's it's all down to uh what, what, everything that we talked about it all comes back to uh character mm. you know, getting those characters right and, and and making those characters uh compelling and believable and it's just what what are the ways that you can do that well you can make sure you give them a really big start that tells everything about them. You can, uh, you, you can have a life changing moment at the start of the show that, so that the, mm. the character is a source of blank slate, uh, or, you know, you, you have, you can give them really, really tough choices mm. so that, uh, you know, that, uh, you, you, the audience are thinking about it. And it's, it's, you know, it's the thing we, we, we mentioned time and again, you know, that, that, uh, John uh, Basil Fawlty bashing the car with the, mm. with the stick, you know, you've never seen that happen, but you know, the feeling, you yeah. know, and it's like, it, it's a, it's to get the audience feeling what you're feeling. And yeah. if you can, 
do it in a way like that, you know, uh, yeah. that clip will be shown. I can't remember who says it. I could probably look it up, but they do say that, you know, with his writing fiction, at least don't tell them it's raining. Give the, give the reader the feeling of being rained upon, yeah. uh, which I think is, is pretty good advice. Um, but just before we, we're just going to finish off talking about networking and stuff in a minute, but just before we get there, the other thing about this thing that I've been writing, because I think it's very easy for a mystery to become all about the clues and the mechanics of the mystery itself and the, the revealing of the information and my experience of writing an episode of, um, Shakespeare and Hathaway, which I wrote last year and is now going to be filmed this year, a year late. My instinct was always... Plot, 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 motive, 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 plot, plot, motive, motive. And actually I was ended up just stripping back so much because, you know, it is a sort of a comedy drama with two brilliant comedy actors in Mark Benton and uh, Joe Joyner. So, so, you know, the reason they, one of the reasons I got hired was like, they're funny, you're funny, write something funny. (laughs) And I spent my whole time worried that I was going to make a mess of the murder mystery. But, when actually you think about, you know, a lot of murder mysteries, especially the ones that are an hour rather than two hours, you really can overcomplicate them. Um, mm. But my sort of the thing that I learned uh, this week of during writing is I sort of had this kind of fairly detailed plan. I started writing it as a novel and realized I'm not suited to that at all. And we, we, we talked about that with Lissa Evans um, a couple of episodes ago. I just thought the whole time I've known what the denouement big reveal is going to be and how it's going to feel. So although I've been slightly unsure about how many clues and stuff to put in, I've just sort of kept going and got to the end and feel quite good about the fact that the big ta-da moment about I can now reveal what the mystery object is and how it has been hiding in plain sight this whole time and how, I've gone, how I'm going to redeem my own career, which has been looking pretty bleak in the last 48 <laughs> minutes of screen time, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I kind of know what I want that moment to do and I've written it. And I just think it's, I've just learned that I should just write that denouement, write the big reveal thing. What information do I need for that moment to feel really satisfying? And now go back and rewrite it with that big moment in mind. And if it's not going to be revealed in that moment, I probably don't need it so I can get rid of it. And there's one or two bits that I haven't put in that I do need to put in. So it may be that if your show is heading towards something and you're kind of really worrying about setting it up right, you know, maybe the advice here is to keep going, write the big finish, and then go back and fix everything else so that it matches. Yeah, um, I've, I've been talking quite a bit about that as well. To, to say, uh, I've, I've found sometimes with a, a script that the uh, I know what the all is lost, or I'm going to work out what the worst all is lost moment is going to mm. be. I really know this is going to be that point. And then it's a case of working three quarters of the way backwards, mm-hmm. uh, the whole of the rest of it, and then a quarter of the way to the end to to, to end it. So it's kind of uh, you know where 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 do you how do you possibly get to that point and how do you get out of it? That, that's yeah. what every what every narrative is really, isn't it? I yeah, and it's the one thing that people really struggle with uh, because in plotting terms, people tend to get they love the opening. Or they've got a really funny scene in their head and a scene is a scene. It's not a story. And actually it's that long dark night of the soul where all is lost. That's the hard bit to get to and get out of. And if, but if you don't have that, I think you don't have a script. You don't have a plot. Um, So uh, 
so yeah i think that's that's a good place to get to and make sure that you've addressed yeah. in detail before you start writing but even then when you start and i thought i had that sorted sort of keep going hold your nerve get there write your denouement and now just go back and fix it is is another way of going you know it's, it's that constant thing of tricking yourself that your plan is absolutely definitive i've outlined it i'm going to write it the moment you start writing it you know no plan survives first contact with the enemy that's one of the rules of yes. yeah it all but falls away kind of but keep going and mm. then you know you, you don't have to show this version to anybody and if you have to sort of chuck it all away and start again well you know th that's all part of it but yeah yeah anyway yeah. that's that's our script uh, bit of sitcom geeks we should wrap, wrap up by talking about networking is that uh, yeah. we've got quick five minutes on that yeah, let's because you know obviously the writing is so important. But uh, as we always say, you know, okay, so you've got a script, great. Uh, now what are you going to do with it? And uh, it's it's about you know, and we talked last uh, time we've been talking about sort of you know coming out of COVID and how how are we going to come out of it and what's what's you know what 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 can we do and and you know a lot of what we have to do now I think is is to kind of. Uh, be uh, sell ourselves and be proactive selling ourselves and i know just the very phrase selling yourself for a a, a writer is a kind of you know yeah you know, that's yeah. that's that's what i left the rat race to, to do because i can't yeah. stand that side of things i just want to sit and write in my little uh little hovel and uh you know but you do kind of have to get out there and i'm sort of thinking that you know, we're, we're not sure what the Edinburgh Fringe is going to be this year. But I think it could, it's potentially a really interesting uh, thing because, you know, I think a lot of the Fringe is going to be online. I think that's the sense that I'm getting. A lot of people are going to do online shows mm. as part of the Fringe. So it's going to be sort of almost easier to attend the Edinburgh Fringe uh, than it's ever been, really. Um mm. I mean, just a sort of uh, interesting thing. There's a lot, my wife is a sort of clinical psychologist, and she's uh, they uh, there was this three day uh, conference in Los Angeles that she was just never going to go to because it was uh, three days, and that would have been like a a week and thousands of dollars and air flights mm. and all that stuff. But COVID happened, and the the conference went ahead online. So she basically spent from 4 p.m. till midnight for three days just kind of watching yeah. being at this conference except she was at home watching mm. it and that's you know and it was a absolutely fantastic conference for her it was just the thing you know the perfect thing for her to to sort of be at in inverted commas but uh i i, I think and and you know if you can kind of go to edinburgh <laughs> You know, yeah. watch shows, watch all sorts of things and, and just familiarize yourself with what people are doing now. And as a as a writer, you know, get to know, uh, get to what watch you, you watch shows that aren't as that aren't as well written as yeah. they are performed, you know. And yeah. uh, and that's the sort of, you know, that that's something that I think might be a, a very interesting uh, thing to be uh, looking out for. Yeah, and actually, you know, if you are non not interested in performing in the slightest and you see something that's really interesting that you think you could help with, you can e email the person and just say, "Can I, you know, I really I really enjoyed the show. I wondered if you'd thought about doing this or that or is there potential for this sort of thing." Don't say, "Let me critique your show for you free of charge. You are so welcome." Uh, they 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 might not, you know, but you can make the approach. Um 
because it may be they really struggle with the writing and they would really like someone to come alongside them and help them with it. And you might, if you're enthusiastic about what they're doing or particularly the subject matter, if, if the show is about, um, oh, I don't know, uh, the trenches of World War One, and it's, you know, and, and you're really into that as well. And you just go, oh, did you know that there's a whole thing about uh, this aspect of the war or that? And you you have a shared interest and you can suddenly work alongside each other. And But you won't know that if you don't, pitch up to shows and, and watch them think about them you know hang around afterwards in in person or virtually um so um and just the chance to attend things you wouldn't normally attend uh like webinars and that kind of thing um i ran one a couple of months ago uh and eight you know loads of people showed up and i always say you know i think i might have said at the start of that and you can get hold of it as well if you if you follow if you go to my um follow me on twitter or something i'll, I'll put up a link to it but um I always say if you go to a 90 minute webinar, you know, you might learn two things in 90 minutes uh, Two, one thing you can do differently. And one thing that you never knew about to think about, that's a pretty good use of 90 minutes, isn't it? And it's, you know, yeah, yeah. it's probably more beneficial than watching pointless and countdown. Um, <laughs> so, you know, watch pointless and countdown, but you don't have watched them every day. Uh, they won't mind. Um, so just improve your interest, skill set, you know, learn a new skill, or be inspired to learn a new skill and then and then go off and do it. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I was just going to say about networking is it sometimes you might think that there's you at home with your script and then there's Netflix in their their sort of perfectly spherical office in the middle of nowhere, like something out of the prisoner or something. I mean, I don't know. Um, I don't know where Netflix is based. I, I'm not even sure it exists. If I'm honest. Um, yeah. It's yeah. So sound- how can I? How can I get my script onto that channel? And actually, you're not trying to find a secret tunnel that takes you into there so that you get to the thing. You actually have to go along. It's like Pilgrim's Progress. You actually have to talk to a lot of people along the way who are going to help you on your journey. I mean, it is a quest. Um, And you need help on that quest. You need pointing in the right direction. And some people will come with you. You need a, a producer uh, who is going to fight for your idea and they need to con- they need to persuade a commissioner or controller who's going to fight for your idea so that the channel actually pay for it and then you need them to get together to make sure that the marketing team actually tell people about it so that people watch it so you get to do it again so you're building you're trying to build a series of alliances as well as improve your skills and learning hmm. and that doesn't come naturally to most people, especially the sort of people who were, who were drawn to writing and not the people who were drawn to networking. Yeah. But I'm sorry, you're going to have to get on with it. Yeah, I'm just going to leave that point with just just say, you know, there are there are five stages uh, in, in uh, the, the, the life of a script. Um, so you've written your script. Is, that, is, the, is the first one denial? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> OK, but the first, yeah, development. It's the same thing. You yeah. know, people telling you how to change it and you deny yeah. that. So uh, so development. And mm-hmm. you've got to work on your script and you've got to rework it and rework it and rework it. And even then it's not quite ready. But if you're lucky, someone's going to make it. And that's going to take, that takes stage two, which is pre-production. Mm. And at this point, 
lots of people come on board and uh your your vision is uh yes thank you we like your vision but you you you've got a bit of a battle on your hands to to keep control of your vision but you know if you're lucky you've got a director and a producer who understand what you're trying to do with your script yeah. but you know it's kind of a little bit out of your hands at this point in pre-production and then it's in production if you're lucky you might get to be involved there but you know that's not always a, a, a given um and then you've got post-production and that's where things can change again uh to your, your, your the, the script has changed a lot anyway it's gone in production and now it's being edited and things like as i mentioned a few weeks ago like a show like life on mars which had the sort of massive massive um plot um plot point taken out in post-production and i think was probably better for it uh and then you've got the the stage five which is the marketing and the distribution Mm. and you know you can only have so much influence in uh the 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 production side and the post-production side so you kind of need to get your head around the other stuff you know get your head around development be there as much as you can for know what the pre-production process is know what the post-production and marketing process is you know get just get, understand what's happening out there yeah. uh, i say this from bitter experience just thinking about you know i i could have been so much more proactive there were times in my writing career where i just thought oh okay that's it i've done the script that's that's my job done mm. and i just lost sight of things or i i got involved in shows and my own shows that i created and i didn't push hard enough for my own ideas i didn't know how to do that i didn't know how to kind of negotiate with producers and things so you just just, you kind of have to you can learn that stuff you know you can read about it and you can look at other people's experiences as well so two ways to go really and we should probably finish one is if you you know that that state those five stages they all involve other people apart from the very beginning of the development stage they all involve other people so you're going to have to start working with other people and collaborate with them because a tv sitcom is going to cost a couple of million quid you don't get to spend all that money um so get get used to it alternatively um find two million quid and make your own show or um you know produce your own stuff episode 141 with um, Danny Stack and Tim Clegg are really brilliant at self-starting and really inspiring to listen to. So go back and listen to episode 141 uh, that we spoke to them, it says here, 10 months ago. Um, But if you can't think of anything worse than that, then maybe you should be writing novels. Um, You know, you'll still have to work with an editor um, and you probably won't make any money, but you don't have to work with anybody else. And maybe that's for you. Well, you want to write short stories or you want to write articles, you want to write a blog or you want to make your own YouTube stuff. Uh, that's all fine you want to make your own audio stuff that's all fine but you know you need to know what you're getting into uh so i think you just want to be a bit um you know so so networking starts now um because if you want to work in tv you are going to be part of a network which will hopefully be on a network uh so if anyone's actually going to see it um but yeah so we should wrap up there dave any final comment on that no, I think that sort of sums it all up really well. Uh, yeah, it is a collaborative, a collaborative uh, business, and uh, you know you, you, you've got to remember that. And hopefully, you know, also consider writing with another person. You know, James yeah. and I have both both do that, and we write on our own as well. But yeah. some, sometimes it's really good to have a, a another to, from the start to have another mm. voice 
there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, but that, that, that kind of sums things up. But that, that, that's the sort of thing that we are looking at more in kind of in more depth now when we do, we're, we're doing these kind of monthly uh, workshops where we actually do on Patreon. Uh, if you go to our Patreon, sitcom geeks slash Patreon, mm. uh, I think is the uh, title. Um, or Patreon slash sitcom geeks. I don't know. Mm. One, one way. One, Google, one of those. Google both words and you'll find yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, you'll get there. Um, and uh, so we, we, we do these sort of monthly uh, workshops now and uh, they are definitely, you know, you're kind of get, getting getting into depth about, you know, really kind of developing your beyond just the, the actual writing, although we will be talking about writing as well in there. But, but, but you know, really, really kind of uh, pushing forward yeah. uh, with, with a career as a yeah. comedy writer. And if you join us on Patreon as well, you, you can join our um, Facebook group, uh, our secret Facebook group uh, for Patreon members. And Dave and I are on there regularly as well, chatting. And so you're, you're one of a number of people. And it's just, it, it, it's, it feels like it's good to have a bit of a team. And people are generally, very, no, not generally, people are always really supportive of each other. And also posting links to, to things that they've seen and new script things and helpful articles and that kind of stuff. So it's a really... Um, can do help each other atmosphere there because actually as we said in the last episode people love laughing they love tv there's tons of it being made and so there's pretty much room uh, for all of us it's not quite as dog eat dog as it first appears um so uh, that's that's my sunny disposition for now anyway uh, ask you. me again in a couple of weeks see how i feel it might not be quite the same yeah yes great well thanks very much dave um thank you james as well and thanks for listening and we'll speak to you uh, thanks also to the bcg guys as well uh, who yeah. host this podcast on their servers very kindly and promote it and also go and have a look at the bcg uh, pro stuff there there's uh, loads of stuff to look at and they've got lots of um extra bits and pieces as well and more than bits and pieces some nuts and bolts too uh, so go and have a look over there too thanks then speak to you next time thank you very much bye-bye bye-bye